Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch Podcast. Today we are talking about Warbreaker, chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7. We're in. Siri arrives at Tetelir. She sees some lifeless for the first time. Colors are everywhere. She travels through the city into the area of the returned god folk. And she's told that she's already married. There's no ceremony. <laughs> and that she is there only at the king's will. So that's that's great. Vasher watches Siri arrive. He uses some cool magic to make something lower him down off the wall where he was watching her. He goes and has a discussion at a bar. His sword kills some more people because, of course, it does. And then we're back with Siri, letting who's led into the palace. Uh, she's basically molested many times. You know, maybe a better word for that would be she's you know washed, bathed, stripped, embarrassed, all sorts of. Awful things happening to her. Uh, she lays down in the next chapter, waiting for the God King to summon her for sexual intercourse. Don't we just love that? And then we're back with Light Song and some politics be brewing. So that's what we're looking at this week. My name is Joe, and with me as always is... Jamie. Jack. And Data. Yes, we're all here, so hang on to something, everyone. The Sandra Lanch is about to begin. To emerge and to breathe anew For a purpose so far from my own And this world I've awoken to Seems familiar but somehow unknown And the branches of gold on the skyline Reach out to the sweep of the stars The beginnings and endings of lifetimes a guidance of light from afar. So yeah, we really it really is kind of uh, almost entirely the series show in these chapters. So it's got a little bit of other people, but uh, I don't think we have a single Vivenna sighting even. So what did you guys think of these four chapters? I'm definitely intrigued by these chapters. The series stuff was was sad. I was telling Data that before the podcast. I was like, I think think everything that's happening to her right now is just sad. And it continues to be sad. And so there were some cool things that we found out about powers and, and the world at large in this section. So that was that was fun. So, yeah, Vasher, I mean, he seems like an interesting guy. Definitely want to know more. Nightblood seems like crazy sword that just wants to kill people. So that's that's interesting. And then, yeah, we, we meet some new characters, uh, another returned person. A lady who's into politicking, I guess, a little concerned about her future and the rule that they have there in Hallandron, in Tetelier. And so uh, without getting into specifics, I, I feel like I can just say that, yeah, this is this is cool. I like everything so far. I was getting a very positive sense when I was reading these chapters that I'm really I think I'm really going to enjoy this book. And so I'm excited to see if that if that holds some some of the previous books we've read, none of them are bad, but some of the previous books I've read, it's been kind of a slog, but I'm really enjoying reading this so far, so that's a good sign. Yeah, I'm going to call that uh, a better sign than the uh, the opposite, at least, so that's... Uh, sure, yeah, short. you know, Well of Ascension, I was in for a penny and for a pound at that point, but I, I honestly would have to say that if I had picked up Well of Ascension... After reading the first book on my own without the podcast, I probably been like, I don't, I don't care anymore. I'm just putting this book down. <laughs> so yeah, this is definitely, this is definitely putting the intrigue in my brain. So I'm excited. 
Yeah, just lots of little lots of little things happening. You got uh, the the beginning of us exploring some of the politics of uh, the the court of the returned gods with not only with Light Song and uh, Blush Weaver, but a little bit with Vasher even, where he's uh, talking to one of these priests. So there's some stuff happening. Yeah, so I I would agree. I'm still really liking this book. Yeah, I think I'm enjoying it. So I'm really liking these chapters too. I I think this book is quite cool. I I like that we're being drip fed information, but not uh, it's not too slowly. So I'm interested in what's happening next, but I don't feel like I'm so overwhelmed by the information. I oh gosh, I feel for Siri. Holy moly, that's that's horrific to have not been prepared for any of it to then be thrown into exactly what you were fearing and then probably 10 times more. <laughs> that poor girl. And now, I don't know, I I think I had this like thought that maybe he wouldn't be as awful as everyone was saying, but I feel like maybe he is going to be. I don't know why I go into these things thinking that someone might actually be a good person and <laughs> it was all kind of for nothing. But, yeah, he he really does seem like scum. But I enjoy her stubbornness. It's like, you know what? I can outstubborn you. This is all right. I will do this. Like, she should never have to be in that position anyway. But I feel, not that we know too much about Vivenna, but I don't know that she would have been able to handle that. Like, I feel like all the preparation in the world actually wouldn't make you okay uh, with that situation. So that's that's a thing. Light song and his dream, again, being brought up, that's going to play into it somehow. For sure. I, it never even occurred to me that Returned could be female as well. So I don't know why. I just assumed they were gods and, you know, this, this god being a bit of a dick. Well, not like not Light Song, the other guy, the main one, the god king. I just thought it would be beneath him to have Returned that a woman just doesn't seem like a thing that he'd want. But anyway, it was interesting to see her show up. But I'm, I'm definitely interested to learn more about Light Song, I think him and maybe I don't know whether we'll get into his past life or not but that sounds cool I love the relationship he's got with Scoot <laughs> <laughs> they they just seem like they're, they're always fun to read together yeah good enjoyed it excited where it's going oh night night blood that sword he's a bit crazy we're gonna go with he but yeah that that sword is that sword is insane I like that you mentioned because it's one of the first things that always comes to my mind reading this part of the book is like we see how Siri is doing, and we know Vivenna is the one who is supposed to be here. So I'm always like, how would Vivenna have handled the same thing with her, like, 22 years of preparation? Would, would she have been expecting to, like, have to kneel on the floor for hours on end? Or would she just – she seems a lot more proud than Siri. So I'm just like I'm, – uh, I also think maybe you're right. Maybe this is not the kind of thing that she would handle well. Yeah. But also we don't know what she was taught. Like, maybe she was fully prepared for it. Maybe she – practiced being just so quiet and in the background and not looking at anyone like when uh was it blue fingers is like you um you know all the protocols like you know you know what to do and it's like ah no you don't okay excellent we haven't had 22 years to basically beat it out of you that you can't look at him or or anything like that now this girl is just in there absolutely terrified we don't. I mean, Vivenna's now going to come after her based on what we read last week. So maybe she would be strong enough. I don't know. But I just feel like her character, what we sort of met of her first, she's too soft. 
But maybe she is super strong. I don't know. I like the idea that they, they have like a whole book of protocols or something. And they sent it to Idris to be like, you guys need to read this before you send a, a girl here. Just this is important stuff. But also, wouldn't you then like be like, hmm, maybe there's another way. Maybe mm. I don't have to serve up my daughter, either one of my daughters, to a complete monster. You You would think that. And it's just that's another one of the things is like Siri has such confidence in her dad in in this chapters. Like, oh, my yeah, dad would have sent so me if he upsetting. didn't think I was the best. Maybe he thinks I'll be able to, you know, make the difference here. Maybe I'm the stronger one. Maybe oh, I was like, no, he literally just didn't want to send your sister. Poor child. Yeah. You poor thing. But at least she doesn't know that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is fun chapters getting like getting into the meat of things. Um. I think my favorite character at this point is the sword, just because he's so far <laughs> removed from anything else we've seen so far. So, yeah, like he's he's a lot of fun. But yeah, poor Siri and everything she's going through, like no control over everything, over anything. Told, oh, you know, you like you can't even talk to him or he will kill you. And that's what makes that that is what makes me think Vivenna was not as prepared as she thinks she was, because she was like, oh, I can get him to. Get the get my husband to change his mind, and he won't attack us. And it's like you weren't gonna even be allowed to talk to him. So yeah, let's 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 not delve too deep into that. But yeah, just a horrific ordeal that Siri that Siri went through, and is I don't know. I hope this book isn't too much on like she just gets the humiliation line. I don't think it will, but man, that was it was just uncomfortable. And yeah, I really like what I don't I have no idea what Vash is up to, but I really like just watching him do his thing, like. The whole thing with like going down the wall on the ribbon. I was like, man, you are good at this. I want to know more. Where did you come from? How did you get these? Like, how did you get this finesse with these powers? Yeah, he is a mystery, right? Especially since we, I mean, other than Light Song, who we intentionally are not allowed to know anything about his past. Like Vivenna, Siri, we know all sorts of details about their entire history because it's not that complicated. But Vasher, he's just a big mystery. Yeah, Br- like brutal and yeah. Some God, yeah, God only knows what's go, what's going on with this guy, and I can't wait to find out more. Yeah, Light Song story. I'm like, yeah, it's, this is all right. I do like his relationship with Scoot. I think Blush Weaver is just kind of oh, okay. You're the femme fatale for this book. I, I, I find mentally, I'm drawing a lot of comparisons to Final Empire with this book. You know, you've got like the the psychotic God King who we may not be seeing for a while because he's he's hidden in the shadows and like I don't know, he might actually not even be there. You've got, you know, it's like, yeah, the femme fatale, like, with Blush Weaver, like, oh, it's just she's the Shan Ariel. Vasha has quite a few similarities to Kelsia. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. There's There are quite a few similar similarities to Final Empire I'm just, like, coming up with as, as I read. And it's like, all right, so I'll be curious to see where the divergence happens for each of these characters. It only occurred to me while you were talking about it, but... The, the God King sitting in the shadows and stuff in that scene makes me think of True Lies. Yes, yeah, yeah. I can totally say that. And so now in my head, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. So. <laughs> okay, all right, let's... let's. Uh, oh, actually, before we get into it, there's one thing I want to hit off the top so that everyone knows, and also so I don't forget when we get to the end. Next week, we are not going to have a new episode because Joe is in a play, and I am going to see that play, and so that's 50% of us unavailable. And then the week after that, the plan is that we will do one without Joe because he will still be doing his play that week. But uh, at least I will be here. And so uh, 
for next week. No new episode, just letting you guys know off the top so that uh, if anyone turns us off when we finish talking about the book and doesn't want to hear the rest, they won't miss this. So let's let's do this. Let's get into these chapters. So we start out chapter four with Siri arriving at Tatalir, the capital of Halandran, and it is big and it is colorful. And there are 40,000 dudes just standing in brightly colored uniforms with spears raised, tassels flapping in the wind. She's like, okay, yeah, my people don't understand ostentatious, like flowers are not ostentatious. This, this is ostentatious. Even even the city walls, which are these huge walls, she feels look more decorative than anything else. I feel like this again, this poor girl is like, oh my god, we're not allowed to show any emotion, and this is why. Like, this is so not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like they're they're afraid if I pick flowers or if I get happy and am loud that we're gonna turn into this, really. And I don't think we knew much about Tetelir before now, but you find out that it's kind of like it's right on the edge of this the bright sea, which is a large landlocked body of water, it says. And so the the wall is kind of a semicircle because this the city's right up against the sea. And then we meet Trelides, high priest of his immortal majesty, Susabran the Grand. Oh, this asshole. You will accept this token honor guide to guide you to the court of gods. It's not even a question. He's like, you're going to be taking this honor guard. Just uh, do it. (laughs) And so that's when one of the soldiers that is escorting her notices that these 40,000 soldiers are all lifeless. And we find out a little bit about the lifeless. They have gray skin, eyes, hair, all completely drained of color, leaving them with like this monochrome look. And so she's t- she thinks about how she always imagined, like, she knew lifeless were, like, dead bodies that have been brought back to be useful. But she imagined them like skeletons, like zombies, basically, with, like, the flesh falling from their bones or whatever. But no, they, they look almost like normal people, except for the no color. And she's like, I have to marry one of these. And then uh, we get a little, I think, drab. I don't remember if we'd heard that term earlier. But she, she differentiate, differentiates for us that... Lifeless are these like dead bodies that have been sort of returned to a useful state. We have returned, which is a different thing. And then we have drabs, which is a different thing again, which is a person who does not have any breath. Capital B breath. They can breathe. (laughs) Right. And it even mentions like we had returned in Idris like one time. I wasn't allowed to see him, but, uh, you know, I heard that he was perfectly able to interact with people and he didn't remember his family. But and then he died after a week. So. The first annotation that I want to touch on is it says, yes, there are returned in Idris. There are returned everywhere in this world that there are people. And this is where he says the name of the world is Nalthus, by the way. I'd like someday to do a sequel to Warbreaker in part because I want to show off all the different ways people on Nalthus deal with the returned. They're treated in very strange ways in some places. For instance, just across the mountains, there's a kingdom where when someone dies in a way that might be heroic, the corpse is immediately purchased by a nobleman hoping to hit the jackpot and get a returned. And uh, that's weird. It'll it'll make more sense a little bit as we continue. But uh, it, that is just such a random way. Like they're, they're auctioning corpses off. It's interesting. I mean, some would see them as like a commodity, but then you'd have some which I imagine Idris would be like, well, let's that's some. Um, basically your curse like they clearly let the guy die rather than giving him breath of someone else mm-hmm. so yeah. the different the different cultures and their different like ideals and morality <laughs> and all that sort of stuff would be very interesting as to how they treat them differently i think that would be really interesting to read yeah agreed 
I mean, how how would we handle people just like randomly coming back to life? I don't even know. So they go in, they go in through the door. The there's cavalrymen also, and they don't appear to be uh, lifeless. So they go with her, and she sees all the people coming to see her carriage, her procession. They're all dressed in these bright colors, and she's like, if some of these people are poor, I can't tell the difference. Everyone is dressed in like these very bright, nice colors. And this is where she's like, maybe this is why my dad sent me. Like, Vivenna would not fit in here, but I've always been interested in color. So maybe he really thinks that I can do a good job here. And she even, despite the fact that she was, like, very upset when she first got sent, he's like, is this why, for the first time in my life, my father chose me over Vivenna for something? Like, she, she, she thinks that, like, she's been favored by her father in a way here, which is exactly the opposite of the truth. She's like, her father was a good king with good instincts. Okay. You keep telling yourself that. Right. And we also so we learned that, you know, we got this big city with a giant wall around it. Within the city, there's a smaller area with a big wall around it. And that's where the court of the gods is. And even when they open the door, there's another wall in front of the door so that no one looking in when the door is open can see what's happening. They're very, very private, these gods, except apparently in, in a minute we learned that Vasher can just like get up on the wall and look at what's going on in there and no one does anything about it. Maybe no one notices, except people do notice when he comes back down. So, I don't know. And so, inside this giant walled courtyard, there are, I think it says, dozens of, or several dozen enormous mansions, all, each one painted a distinct color. And then at the end is a pyramid made of giant step like blocks, and it's all black. And so, of course, she's going for the, the giant black pyramid, not intimidating at all. Made me think of uh, Destiny. There's lots of black pyramids in Destiny. Oh, yeah? And, okay, so Trelides comes back, and he's like, we've arrived, vessel. As soon as we enter the building, you will be prepared and taken to your husband. And she's like, wait, so is, is there not, like, a ceremony or something? The God King does not need ceremonial justification. You became his wife the moment he desired it. Wow, all right, then. <laughs> she's like, I was hoping that maybe I could, like, see him before... The God King does not perform for your whims, your whims, woman. You are blessed above all others, for you will be allowed to touch him, if only at his discretion. Do not pretend that you are anything other than you are. So this is very, I mean, like, literal objectification, because they're, like, calling her vessel, mm. and they're like, you just do whatever he wants. Yeah, this is great. This is what she wanted, I think. Yeah. And he's like, you do whatever he tells you to, or he wants you to do. And if you don't, then you'll be put aside and somebody else will be chosen. And I think my, that might bode unfavorably for your rebel friends in the Highlands. So he's very straightforward with his threats. And that's when Vasher, who is standing up on the walls, is uh, thinks like this is going to complicate things. And Nightblood, who's apparently up on politics, is just like, I mean, so the rebels sent a princess. That didn't change your plans, which we still don't get. We're not allowed to know his plans, but. He has some plans, apparently. And Vasher thinks that I doubt we'll be able to get through this without dealing with her. He he hadn't believed the Idrians would actually send royal blood back to, to Talir. They'd given up a pawn of terrible value. And I don't think, based on what we know about the political situation, it seems all that valuable, but we're going to learn more. And so he commands a banner to or tapestry to lower me. And awakens it with, it says, hundreds of breaths because it's not in human form at all. But when it awakens and picks him up and lowers him, it looks like a human hand. If you look closely, you can even see, like, what looks like muscles and veins outlined. And then he takes his breath back once he's back in the street. And we get this thing about, like, people notice. 
when you have a giant tapestry lower you from the top of a wall in the middle of the city. But it's not that strange for Titelier. Men with upwards of a thousand breaths were uncommon, but not unheard of. And so he's like, I'm going to get noticed here, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I got to get used to it again. He has a rope that he wears as a belt tied several times around his waist. I like that note. But the sword does stick out a little bit. And he's like, man, maybe I need to put this back in the pack. And Nightblood's like, no, you don't. Don't even think about that. I need fresh air and sunlight. And he's like, you're a sword. Oh, yeah, things like Nightblood was smart enough to realize he was not a person, but he didn't like being confronted with that fact. Oh, don't tell me that. I'm not a sword. I'm a real boy. You're a sword. (laughs) You're a cigarette. And so he goes to a restaurant and we get to think about how restaurants are a thing. And they're not in a lot of places. And he sets his sword down and it says the sword was stolen within a minute of him letting go of it. But he just ignores that as the waiter brings him his warm tea. And then we meet a priest. Joke's on you, assholes. Yeah, no shit. We meet a priest of uh, Bright Vision the True who shows up. And Vasher has some sort of dirt on this guy. And he's forcing him to give him information. But Bebet, the priest, is not providing a whole lot of information. At least not as far as Vasher is concerned. And he's like, you know, I, I took an oath. I can't, like, tell you the secrets about the court of the gods. And he's like, Vasher's like, get off it. Like, everyone knows that the return can't so much just look at each other without half the city learning about it within an hour. And so there are rumors that something is going on here beyond normal court politics. There's a faction among the court that is pushing for war with Idris. And this particular priest is like, I can't imagine why. And Vasher's like, well, I mean, it makes lots of sense. It's like. Helandrin has reason to go up there and kill those people. They were called rebels, but those rebels were the true Helandrin royal family. Any good monarch knew that the first thing you did to stabilize your throne was to execute anyone who had a better claim to it than you did. But Bebid does not think that the war would go as simply as uh, some parties are making it out to be. He's like, Idris has allies and they won't be easy to beat. And what could, what people are saying is going to be an easy victory could spin out into another many war. Do you want that? Thousands upon thousands dead, kingdoms falling to never rise again. Also, we can grab a little bit of frozen land nobody really wants. And so it's interesting, like these different perspectives, because we heard the Idris perspective before where they don't want to fight, but they are certain that there is a war coming and all they can do is like hold it off long enough to try to prepare. Whereas this priest is like, like, why would we want to waste waste time and energy on that? Like, there's no we don't get anything that's worth the trouble that it would take. This isn't about money. It's about fear. People in the court talk about what might happen if the Adrians cut off the passes or what may happen if they let enemies slip through. If it were about money, we'd never go to war. Holandrin thrives on its dye and textiles trade. And do you think that would boom during a war? We'd be lucky not to suffer full economic collapse. So, yeah, war would not be great for Holandrin, according to this guy. And Idris certainly doesn't think it would be good for them. So why are we wanting why are we having a war? Sounds like the threat of war is uh, just a good way to keep people in check. Might be. And so uh, Vasher's like, I don't really care about your economics. Like, all right. Yeah, I forgot who I was talking to. What do you want? And Vasher wants to know about the rebels within the city. And Bebid's like, I really can't tell you much about that. And he's like, well, what about the factions that you mentioned, the ones that are pushing for war? And Bebid says, I won't help you enrage the – and Vasher's like, don't presume to tell me what to do. Just give me the information. And he's like, I don't really know. My lady isn't interested in those kind of politics. I don't move in the right circles. Maybe one of Mercy Star's priests could let you know, or you could try Blue Fingers. 
he's the high palace steward, head of the scribes, and he pretty much runs the court. If anyone knew about that faction, it will be him. And we're going to meet Bluefinger shortly. So, And Vasher leaves, tells the guy, pay the waiter when you leave, and takes off. And he can feel a darkness as he goes outside. And he turns down an alley, and there's Nightblood still sheathed, sticking from the chest of the thief who had stolen him with another guy dead in the alley. And he goes to get him, and Nightblood chastises him. You lost your temper. I thought you were going to work on that. I guess I'm relapsing. I don't think you ever unlapsed. That's not a word. <laughs> Their conversation, I, Nightblood is so much fun. And Nightblood's like, I mean, you, you you talk to that guy a lot. That's not really how I would have handled it. Well, yeah, I mean, your way would end up with more corpses. And he's, Nightblood says, well, I am a sword. May as well stick with what I'm good at. That's hilarious and disturbing, like deeply disturbing at the same time, that this thing has some sort of power to kill people. And he's just like, I mean, that's what I do, right? So it's all good. The feeling he's just going to be like, yeah, that's why you keep me around, dude. Let's not pretend otherwise. Mm, maybe. It, it certainly would be easier to beat your enemies if uh, you could, like, throw the sword at them and then leave and come back later and they're all dead. <laughs> Wait, I'm a sword, not a boomerang! <laughs> <laughs> and so we cut to Light Song and Scoot, and they're having a discussion about their new queen. It's apparently been 30 years since there was a queen in the Court of the Gods. I like Larimar's like, she's only 17 years old. I can't imagine being married to the God King at her age. And Light Song, I can't imagine you being married to the God King at any age, Scoot. So I, there's one uh, there's one little thing about Light Song that I was going to read out of the, uh, the annotations. It's that one of the inspirations that Brandon had is that he wanted a character that would fit into an Oscar Wilde play. He says, I'm a big fan of Wilde's work, particularly the comedies, and I've always admired how he can have someone be glib and verbally dexterous without coming across as a jerk. He's like, that kind of character works differently in a play than in a book. Like, in a book, you need, like, depth and character arcs that you don't have in a play. But that was sort of one of the genesis points of Light Songs. He wanted this this Oscar Wilde-type character. It's a very specific thought. Right? I know. And then he starts to think more, but like something starts coming to him about his dream. He thinks about like sailing. He can smell the sea. And then he remembers that it was red. The sea was red because it was reflecting Tatalir engulfed in flames. Also, the boat was on fire. <laughs> and he doesn't tell Larimar, the, the, the guy in charge of writing down his dreams, because they might have potential prophetic ra- ramifications. He thinks, yeah, I'll, I'll tell him about it tomorrow. And I was just like, this seems maybe a little bit important. Maybe you should mention it. But who knows? Maybe their dreams aren't actually in any way prophetic. Like, just be what they tell them. Although they're so interested in getting the dreams, I feel like they must be getting something out of them. And he, Light Song has a line where he's like, I, I hate politics so much. Do you think I could bribe one of the other gods to take control of my lifeless commands? And Larry Marsh's like, I doubt that would be wise. <laughs> it's all part of my master plan to ensure I become totally and redundantly useless. Redundantly useless? Well, yeah, I mean, regular uselessness isn't enough. I am, after all, a god. War, in my divine opinion, is even worse than politics. Some say the two are the same, your grace. Nonsense. War is far worse. At least where politics is going on, there are usually nice hors d'oeuvres. I, I do like Light Song's uh, flippantness. And then he shows that maybe he does know a little bit about the politics of what's going on, because he's like, here's the thing. The Adrians don't think of themselves as rebels. They're not sitting up there waiting to come back and take the city. This isn't where they live. This isn't their home any longer. Apparently, it hasn't been for like 300 years. So that's what we find out later. And Larimar's like, okay, but what about the Idrian dissidents that are supposedly in the city rousing people against the court of the gods? And Light Song's like, oh, that's just rumors. So 
when I'm proven wrong and the underprivileged masses store the pal- storm the palace and burn me at the stake, I'll be sure to inform them that you were right all along. You'll get the last laugh, or, well, maybe the last scream, since you'll probably be tied up beside me. We find out Light Song cannot get drunk, but he keeps drinking the wine anyway. I'm very good at pretending, he says, and that's the end of that chapter. We cut back to Siri, who gets out of the carriage, so not long after we last saw her, and she sends her soldiers back to Idris. She's like, there's nothing more you can do for me here. And now she's all alone. And she, they begin preparing her. And it sounds, it's just so bizarre to me that, like, they lead her into the maroon room where everything is maroon. And there's tubs with warm water. And they, the women start taking her clothes off and she kind of fights them. And they're surprised at first. And then they just get more aggressive about it. And they're like, no, we're, we're getting these clothes off, damn it. And then they wait for her to get into the water. And she's like, oh, good, I'll be allowed to wash myself. And then several of them get in fully clothed to start washing her. It's just such a bizarre scene to me. And then all of a sudden there's a dude here who's like, oh, good, we're right on schedule. And she freaks out. Is something wrong? I'm bathing. Yeah, I believe I can tell that. (laughs) Why are you watching? And he's like, confused. He's like, what? I'm a royal servant. I'm really I'm beneath your. Oh, right. You're from Idris. Y'all are all like prudes. I get it. It's fine. Ladies, splash around and make more bubbles. (laughs) Which in reality, it's like. Even if you're not a prude, I, I I don't get his argument. I guess the argument is I'm so far beneath you, you shouldn't take notice of me looking at you because it doesn't matter. But like in all reality, I don't know. I see this as a weird cultural thing that's specific to them because would you want servants to look at you naked even if they were way beneath you? I feel like you still wouldn't, but whatever. I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> it's actually okay to want to bathe privately. It's, that, that's a completely normal thing. Poor girl. Yeah, I mean, uh, how outrageous of her to be like, I can wash myself. No, you need five other women in the tub with you washing you and uh, and dudes just standing there talking. It would not do to keep the God King waiting on his wedding day, he tells her. As you might guess, we're on a very tight schedule. She's like, uh, who are you? And he says, my name is Haverseth, but everyone calls me Blue Fingers. And he holds up his hands are stained with blue ink from all the scribing he does. I make sure everyone stays on schedule and does what they're supposed to. They're getting a gown ready for you. I presume you've been taught the proper method of treating his immortal majesty, which, yeah, you, you guys mentioned this earlier, but it's one of my favorite moments where she looks at him and she's like, I mean, they probably did teach me, but I don't remember because I wasn't paying any attention. And he figures it out very quickly from her expression. He's like, oh, OK, this is going to be interesting then. Let me give you some suggestions not instructions because as he mentions she's really far above him he's not going to tell her what to do exactly but he's gonna suggest so basically the god king his will is law he doesn't need to justify anything all of our lives he could have if he felt like it you're not allowed to talk to him okay she's like i can't talk to my husband no none of us are allowed to talk to him and apparently he doesn't do that much like king stuff says the day-to-day governance is below his notice. The uh, the Council of the Gods handles that sort of thing. So what it if is, it is the point? Right, exactly. It is unconventional that you are allowed to touch him. She's like, I mean, we're going to be having sex, so probably. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's weird. Just try not to touch him too much. <laughs> so, you know, you can touch him, just don't, not too much. If you speak directly to the God King, he will order you executed. I like how there's no question to him about that. It's not like he'll probably do that or he might do that. It's like, no, if you speak directly to him, 
he's going to execute you. It it sounds like this is something he's seen before, but that could just be my guess. Because, yeah, he does seem so certain. The doctrines teach that the earth itself is too base for him. He is one who achieved transcendence before he was even born and then returned to bring his people blessings and visions. But how? If no one can talk to him or touch him or interact with him in any form, does he just write down his visions and give them to blue fingers? Like, I'm so confused. This He's is so a- divine and you can sit there and do all these things. Yeah. But there's no way of it happening. This is a terrific question. Yeah. Sir, we've received another another message by a royal paper airplane. <laughs> That's I, I love that. To imagine he just like sits there and when he thinks of something, he like writes it down and throws a paper airplane and like he just has a hole on the floor next to his desk and he just drops it through. <laughs> no, I like he's like sitting in a window at or at a window at the very top of the pyramid and he throws it out the window and one of his priests has to run and get it. <laughs> he gets really angry and starts murdering people. And it's like, why? What have we done to piss him off? We didn't meet one of his demands. It was a very breezy day. The plane blew away. We couldn't catch it in time. It blew out to sea. Yep. And so uh, the women, the, the servants, aren't supposed to speak during their hours of service. Their duty is to be use, as useful as possible without being distracted. Which that reminds me a little bit of uh, like her religion back there where you're, you're not supposed to draw attention to yourself. So yep. after after they soap her up, she has to get into a tub of cooler water to wash the soap off and then another tub of uh, perfumed water. Uh, he's like, I mean, if you'd rather, we could have a masseuse rub the perfume into your body, but uh, we have time constraints. So <laughs> there's always that option. Yeah. His majesty is associated with no single hue. So the other gods all have like their color. Their their mansion is that color. Their servants wear that color. All the colors go to the god king. So. He just as they start progressing through rooms, they go from the maroon room to like, what's, what, what is the next room? It's like a, a different color. It's like but, a yellow room or something. Yeah, like really bright yellow. So it, this, it seems like the most bizarre. Yeah, bright yellow is the most bizarre palace or pyramid or whatever. Where you once again hallways are for poor people, so they go from room to room, and each room is one color. And just vastly different, like maroon to yellow. It's just like a big, weird shift from <laughs> as you move between rooms. Sounds like someone could have used an interior designer to really work on a, a nice way of tying the colors together in a room rather than needing the rooms to be all different colors. I uh, was looking renting a house a few years ago, and no joke, each room had a color theme. And, yeah, the kitchen was, like, bright yellow. bathroom was green. It was just... I don't know what they were thinking. It was something. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend who decided they were going to paint their house. And they kind of did that where like the little girl's room was pink, but it had like, they used some sponges to do like textured trees on the wall in that room, which made sense. It was a little girl's room. The office was a green color. And then the living room, they made a like a, not like super bright, not like neon yellow, but a pretty bright yellow. And so, they they spend a couple days painting the entirety of the living room in this yellow color. And after it's all done, she stands back and looks at it and goes, no, nah, I don't like it. We're going to repaint this one. Oh, no. <laughs> I definitely think rooms can have their own color and their own features, and that's fine. But it was it's the garishness of, of this place that we saw was just out of control. It is kind of out of control. And then we uh, so okay, back back to the the yellow room. <laughs> they they start trying to comb her hair after it's been washed, and it's uh, a lot of a lot of snarls and stuff. So she's like, just just cut it off. 
And one of them actually speaks for the first time, like, Vessel? And she's like, no, cut it off. It's fine. And so not only does her hair change <laughs> colors with her emotions, but she can make it grow. I And this was weird to me. I mean, obviously, we're supposed to be shocked as readers at this point because we've had no, you know, nobody's told us that this is a thing. But it's like you might tell them before you have them shear it off that you can grow it back. Also, yeah. I wanted to know how much they cut off because she's like, just cut it off. And I'm like, wait, how much? The whole, all of it? Some of it? None of it? Like just the tangles at the bottom? What are we talking about here? The God King likes hair. <laughs> I'm not about to cut off his wife's hair. But has he ever told you he likes hair? Well, yeah, through a paper airplane, yes. <laughs> we've we've talked about what sort of misborn powers and and all that sort of stuff, and you always get what sort of superpower would you want? Nope, I want to be able to regrow my hair like that. That's my power. <laughs> Would, would would you care yeah. if if you had that that penalty though that it had to it would change color with your emotions? I take it if I could control it even a little bit, <laughs> as long as I'm not like in fear all the time, it'd be cool. It'd save a lot of money yeah. in the hairdresser. Well, and it sounds I mean, like you can learn to control the color change. Like you know, you, if hmm. you can keep your emotions in check, you can learn to control that part. Yeah. Also, if I'm terrified for my life, I don't care what color my hair is at that point. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it, it'll it'll be obvious i'm terrified for my life i'm not worried about you knowing it was it like not only would you save money i feel like you could even make money it's like no nah, i don't like the hair cut it off sell to a wig shop grow it back in a better style it's true yeah. i wonder if it stays the last color that it was when they cut it off or how that works mm, that's interesting also i feel like it'd be good for disguises like you know it's like oh today i'm you know if you're like a if you're part of the royal line that's like the black sheep of the family, you decide to be like a thief or something. It's like, today I'm going to have blonde hair, and it's going to be this long, and I'm going to be doing these things, you know? I wonder if the men can do that with, like, their facial hair. Oh, that's a good question. That that would help with the disguise. You'd grow a yeah. beard all of a sudden. Yeah, or what if Siri's like, I don't want the God King to touch me today. I'm going to grow my leg hair out really long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like a Chewbacca walking down the street. And say, oh my god, is that a Wookiee? <laughs> nah, that's just someone who just wanted to grow all the hair. No, that's the queen, man. <laughs> oh, another purpose. Could you actually stop it growing? Because if I could also not grow my leg hair, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, lot, lot of convenient possibilities there. Agreed, yeah. I didn't have to shave all the time. I could just not grow it. That'd be great. That would be fantastic. Uh, but apparently, apparently in Halandrin, currently, long hair is in style. In Idris, it's the custom to keep it bound up, I guess, so you don't draw attention to yourself. But uh, here, letting your hair just go and flow is uh, very popular with the women, especially the goddesses. And so she's tempted to keep her hair short just out of spite in, in retaliation for that. But she's like, no, fine. And so they, they start doing her nails and her hair and stuff. And she has to sit here and think, like, not how I imagined my wedding day. I, I definitely don't want to be married now. I want to be in the hills picking flowers and such. But... At least she knows the physical requirements, thanks to Mab the Cook, for some candid discussions on that point. Oh, boy. She wanted to run, hide, flee as far as she could. Did all women feel this way, or was it only those who were being washed, primped, and sent to please a deity with the power to destroy nations? Hmm. Uh, that would uh, that would be a very select few on that list, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Okay, and so... Bluefingers brings a healer to confirm that she has no STDs and that she is still a maiden. And he's like, yeah, I had a young healer scheduled, but because of your you know, sensitivities, I, I brought an older guy. 
I also like, which I mean, I get terrifying. it based on, yeah, <laughs> terrifying for sure. But get, based on like what he says later, I like how he's like, I'm pretty sure she stole me. Yeah. And the doctor, you know, he says, no, she's fine. Also, she has very strong breath. And that's when she realizes she looks closer and she can see the yellow around him is like pops is more strong than the rest of the room. And she's like, he's an awakener. An awakener touched me. Oh, God. Like, I feel more naked now than when I was naked. This is, yeah. Is he going to try to steal my breath? I mean, she tried to breathe as shallowly as possible, just in case. Which is, even us, who we've only read five, four chapters of the book or whatever, we know that it doesn't work that way, that they have to give it to you willingly, that they were torturing a guy specifically because they can't just take it. So it just shows us how, like, kind of uninformed they are in Idris about how these things work. Yeah. Awakeners do not work that way. <laughs> She's like, is, is the God King going to try to steal my breath? No, probably not. At least not until I provide an ear. And so finally they come out and they have this, this gorgeous gown of blue and silver, which they put on and she's going to just take off in like five minutes. But she, she sees it like, I guess they've done like her, some makeup or something also. Cause it says that, you know, she's seeing all these colors in her own face that she's never seen before, like her lips and her cheeks and just everything is like, the mysteriously dark eyes, the blue on her eyelids. She's like, this is, I look amazing. Thank you. It sounds a little garish, honestly. The, <laughs> the Their whole culture. Yeah. A lot of makeup. <laughs> yeah. And so Homer, you've got it stuck on whore. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see, you don't, you don't put red lips and blue eyeshadow together. It just, that's, 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 a, that's a big faux pas. Yeah. Those, uh, those girls on YouTube doing those makeup tutorials are like, ugh. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, I like Bluefingers tells her, you are here to see his needs, not mine, not your own, not our kingdom. You are here for him. So just don't offend him. What's going to happen is you're going to walk in, you're going to take off your dress and your underclothing, you're going to bow down, and you're going to wait there with your head touching the floor until he knocks on a post to tell you that he wishes you to approach. Just try not to touch him too much. And also, when you're done, the king's going to leave, and then you're supposed to take all the bed linens and burn them. No one else is allowed to touch them. <laughs> Very specific. Okay. I do and, feel like like all the times he's talking to her, it does seem like he knows she's got a rough deal, and like he's tr- like he's not like the, the other guy who was just treating her like shit. Mm-hmm. This guy's kind of like, he's trying to give her as much advice as he can so she will be okay by the end of it, while still, you know, he's like, he's like Look, I don't want you to get killed doing this. You got to do it, so I'm going to give you all the information I have to make sure it goes smoothly because you shouldn't have to die. Yeah, it's probably in all our best interest that you not die. So let's... <laughs> what I think what gets me about it is just like, well, all of it. It's obviously all terrible. It's horrifying. Yeah, but it's yeah, but it's like also, who wrote all these protocols? This guy has never had a queen before. Like. Who came up with all of these things that she could and couldn't do? Well, they said they had a queen 30 years ago, so it might have been like the previous god king or something had a queen. Or Oh, I, 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 I was under the impression that before they did not have this returned god king, that it was a different monarch with a completely different set of rules, and they weren't like returned rulers. Oh. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. That's a good that's, point. That's, that's it may the not impression have I got. Okay. Because technically, these people somehow – which, you know, Blush Weaver mentions, it's like, why do we need an, an original royal family member from 300 years ago to legitimize the rule that we have right now? 
Um, mm-hmm. So that's you know that's a good point. Like this this current king has never had a queen apparently, and that I don't know how long it's this this person has been king. It sounds like a long long time, but anyway. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. So yeah, who's who's making this stuff up? Is maybe it's that Charlotte's guy? He just comes up with all these great rules. Yeah, it reminds me of this SNL sketch where it's a gynecologist and he's like the queen of England's gynecologist and he's retiring. And so he's prepping the new gynecologist on all the things he can and cannot do when, you know, examining the queen of England. That That's what it reminds me of. That is an interesting concept for a sketch. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's Martin short playing the retired gynecologist. So, you know, he's ridiculous. <laughs> you can't be Martin short and not be ridiculous. It's true. Like even uh, in, uh, What's that? What's the thing that he did with Steve Martin recently? Uh, only uh, murders in, in the building. Of, only murders in the building. I was about to say he's in that, but yeah. they've done lots of stuff together. They have like a they have like a live show tour together right now. Oh really? That's cool. Interesting. I would see that. Is that I don't the even one like we Martin saw? Short that much. Not not in, not in real life, Dak. But was that the one we saw on like Netflix or something? Or they a few years now? ago. Oh yeah, a bit of Martin and Short. I think is what that one's called. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's uh, I think that was like part of the live tour they did was that show. And then, you know, they've changed it as they've continued to tour. OK. Yeah, right. Interesting. OK, so we're in we're in a room with black walls, a massive bed, sheets and covers of black to match the rest of the room. So this is, this is the black room. <laughs> the God King is a total goth. Yeah. And like so it black like his soul, apparently. <laughs> there's a big throne like chair beside the bed and. It is occupied by a figure wearing black, bathed in darkness. He's watching her, eyes twinkling, unblinking in the firelight. How did you make the fire black? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> also, creepy, man. Why you gotta stare at me like that? Seriously. And this is where she's like, oh man, Vivenna should be doing this. I don't I can't deal with this crap. And then she's like, am, am I taking too long to get undressed? Is, is he gonna kill me before I even start? And so she does the thing. She's just like she she gets rid of all her clothes. She bows down onto the ground, puts her head on, on the floor, and just stays there. And time passes. A lot of time passes, and she has a lot of time to consider and uh, and reflect on what an asshole this guy is for making her lay here on the floor. It's like clearly some sort of power play where he wants to show her that she waits on his pleasure and not the other way around or whatever. She can feel those black eyes still watching her. Maybe maybe this is a test. He wants to see how long I'll remain like I'm supposed to. Vivenna had training. Vivenna had poise and refinement. I can't. All I have is stubbornness. With time, she'd even broken down her father. He'd started letting her do as she pleased, if only to save his own sanity. It's like, I can't deal with it anymore. Just do whatever you want. And so we end her section with she continued to wait naked in the light of the coals as the night wore on. And that's the last we see of Siri for these chapters. So one interesting note from the annotations. Brandon says, well, Brandon says, one interesting thing to note is that my own wedding happened during the process of writing this book. I wrote this chapter before then, but I was engaged at the time. While working on the novel, I got got to go through the entire process, progression of awkward moments of a wedding night myself. Yes, it was our first time by choice. I think that probably colored how I wrote series viewpoints throughout the entire book. So something to keep in mind as you're reading series viewpoints. Yes, that that talk he did um, at... Um, at, at, at Dragonsteel, where he, t- he talks, he talks about, yeah, like your books are informed by where you are at a certain point in your life. Mm. That that tracks. Yep. Uh. 
Uh, he also mentions that, uh, and you guys may have picked up on that, that whole thing is a little, this whole section is a little bit more explicit than a lot of the stuff that we see from him. We don't see a lot of like nudity and stuff in his books so far, or even that much talk about sex. And so he's just, he's like, you could, if you were filming the scene, you could do it as a, like in PG or PG-13 or R, like just however you want to imagine it. <laughs> but yeah, he usually shies away from that kind of thing a little bit. So we cut to Light Song, who there's a big ass party happening because it's the God King's wedding day. Everyone's celebrating inside the court of the gods and outside. And in the court of the gods, the way it works is they call in all these different sort of entertainers. And then they set them over on the side and the gods are like, I want that. And those guys come over and entertain the god in front of their palace until they get tired of them and they call somebody else. So right now he's got some fireworks dudes here and they're shooting off fireworks to entertain him. He's like, oh, yeah, this, this is good. And he has to, like, give them some encouragement, like, smile at them. He's like, OK, I, you know, I, I, I want you guys to feel good, like you're entertaining me. <laughs> he goes, you have pleased such a, me. It's such a weird, like, <laughs> it's like you're doing this for me, but then I'm doing this for you to make you feel good about you doing this for me. It's just yeah. like the, the dynamic is just awkward. It's like, well, can we all just, you know, agree that you're doing a good job? And I'm just going to sit here and watch you. You don't have to, like, worry about it. You're doing a good job. <laughs> I, I feel like he's probably uh, – we don't know any of the other gods until we meet Blushweaver here. But I feel like he's probably different from the other ones in, to, to some degree at least in that mm -hmm. he cares about how these guys feel. Yeah. I, I And I know it hasn't been revealed, and maybe it will, maybe it won't. But I'd be interested to know how they get their, like, titles as far as oh. – like, she calls Light Song the god of bravery later. It's like, Why? Why is he the god of bravery? Why are you the up. goddess? Because Why are you the goddess of honesty? Why? Here, here is a part from the annotations, dealing specifically uh, relating to that question. He says, when developing the court of the gods, I wanted to design something that felt a little like a Greek pantheon, or rather a constructed one. Everyone is given their portfolio by the priests after they return. Blushweaver was given the portfolio of honesty and interpersonal relations, and over the 15 years of her rule, she's become one of the most dynamic figures in the court. Few remember it anymore, but she was successful at having her name changed during her first year. She used to be Blushweaver the Honest, and she became Blushweaver the Beautiful through a campaign and some clever politicking. When they realized she wasn't honest. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. She wasn't honest. bitch alive. So. Yeah. Well, you know, we first figured she's pretty. Let's just give her that. <laughs> And Light Song told us in the previous section that, like, the the position they're giving, like, him being the god, the god of bravery was supposedly related in some way to how he died. Because he was like, yeah, they, they say that the way I died was exemplified mm. bravery in some way. And so I guess, theoretically, the way she died exemplified honesty. <laughs> it's like she committed a crime and she said, yep, I did that thing. <laughs> and then they killed her for it. And then she came back. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and so Scoot shows up and he's like, hey, are you enjoying the festivities, Your Grace? And Light Song's like, I mean, yeah, I'm positively infested with them. What are you doing here? You should be out with your family. He's like, well, I just, I just want to make sure everything was OK. You're giving me a headache, Scoot. You can't get headaches, Your Grace. <laughs> I assume the revelry outside the holy prison is ne nearly as amazing as what we have in here. And he says that there hasn't been a party this amazing in a festival this grand in decades. Like, Then you should be out there enjoying it. Go. Be with your family. If there's one thing you can trust me to do all by myself, it's enjoy myself. <laughs> I like uh, I like this dynamic between them. It's funny. 
I really wish that Light Song would just put it on Front Street, though. He should just be like, when he's like, you're giving me a headache, he should just be like, dude, you're annoying the shit out of me. Just go. <laughs> I'm good. I, I I like the, I actually really like the, it's like, that's a normal thing. Somebody be like, oh, you're giving me a headache. And Scoot is always there to be like, well, but you're a god, you can't get headaches. It's like, I'm just, I'm, it, it's, a, it's an expression. Just go. Yeah, it's an expression for you're annoying the shit out of me. Get out of here. As he leaves, he's like, that man takes himself far too seriously, <laughs> which he's the high priest of one of the gods of his people. I feel like that's probably a, a position that most people should take seriously. Yeah. yeah. Some people don't like it when you take your job seriously. And then here comes a uh, a new a newcomer, a goddess, glossy black hair, pale skin, lushly curvaceous body. Far less clothing than Light Song did, but that was typical of the court's goddesses. Blush Weaver, the beautiful goddess of honesty, and Light Song's like, yeah, this should be interesting. And I like that she's strolling up, and there's like 30 servants following her along with some priests. And then there's some guys just carrying a couch so that they can put it down so that she can lay on the couch in like this uh, like come-hither sort of position. And meanwhile, the uh, the fireworks guy's like, oh my gosh, two gods now. We have to like double our our, our, our effort here. And then they have a little back and forth between Blushweaver and Light Song, where she's like, oh, aren't you even going to greet me? And he's like, why would I go and do something rude like that? And then he goes through this whole thing about you're trying so hard to impress me and and like, you know, astound me, stun me with your your beauty and your dress and your is that makeup on your thighs? And she's like, no, it's, it's like a kind of paint. I had uh, some of my most talented priests painted on there. <laughs> and it's like, well, if I'm supposed to be stunned and dazzled and dumbfounded, how would I greet you? Well, you've obviously found your tongue now. It was in my mouth, surprisingly. I always forget to check there. I, I like I, I also like that she's just like, uh, so, yeah, you want to go do it? And he's like, I mean, not necessarily. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the <laughs> middle of something. <laughs> well, we could do it after. Uh, I mean, I guess we could. But <laughs> nah. And yeah, it, it's apparently uh, since gods can't get can't have kids it means that uh, there's actually lots of sex going on but sometimes between the gods sometimes between gods and mortals just whatever mm. so and, and this is where i got confused i'm like okay if the gods can't have sex or excuse me if they can't have kids does that mean the lady gods can't bear children or that the male gods also can't make children because if that's the case then how is this guy going to make an heir the king well, that in, in the last section of chapters we, we read it was specifically like he's the only one who can Ah, and Jamie had a theory that maybe that that, that maybe like all of the gods were the same as him. And it was kind of a lie that they were believing that they were different in some way. But if so, then, yeah, they're having sex. It seems to imply that they can't have kids. Yeah. Or not. Right. Flat out says it. Yeah. If if they can't have sex, they're having sex all the time. Somebody would have had an O by this point. Yeah. Right. Surely. Yes. I think when I when I thought that I was like they're not really interacting with each other that much, but clearly they are. So yeah, we 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 learn new things as we go. And I like he's like no, nah, I mean I I can't sleep with you. I'm too lazy. I can't let people find out that I'm like unlazy enough to to do something <laughs> like that. It's the weirdest excuse ever. <laughs> it's like ah, nah, I can't do it because I'm lazy. And that I mean, what am I gonna do? Not be lazy. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I mean, it's just it's, it's a whole thing. And she's kind of annoyed She that, you know, he doesn't want to sleep with her. But also it's like you slept with Calm Seer, but you ignore me. And he has the thought that Calm Seer was the last honorable return the city has has known. 
Nobody left has a shred mm. of her decency, including me. And that begs the question, what happened to Comseer? It does beg that question, right? We we found out before now that the that there's it's not always the same gods. Like in back in Idris, he was like, yes, this the newest crop of gods there are more unpredictable than the, their predecessors. So we cycle through these gods somehow. Don't know how yet. And so Light Song notices that the fireworks are getting more and more extravagant, and he's like, maybe I should have them stop just so they have fireworks left in case one of the other gods wants them. But the reason that uh, Blushweaver is here is that she wants to talk about politics. He's like, oh, man, I don't talk about politics. She is one of the people who is in favor of war. And she feels that this whole thing with the, the, the queen is not – it does not bode well. We haven't had a queen of the royal line. Like Light Song says, we've had queens before. And she says not of the royal line, at least not since the days of Khaled the Usurper. Khaled is the one who started the many war. He used his knowledge of biochromatic breath to create a vast army of lifeless and seize power in Helandrin, shattered the kingdom, and drove the royals into the highlands. Yeah, if Ciri's uh, ancestors were driven into the highlands by an awakener, you can see why maybe they don't like those kinds of people. Right? Yeah. Of the return, only one god, only the god king can engender children, and they are always stillborn. And Blushweaver's like, well, yeah, but what if she has a kid that's not? What if she sleeps with somebody else and has a kid? How does that affect the line of succession here? And also, about, about that whole only the god king can have children and they're always stillborn, the only word that we have for that comes from the priests. And I've heard that there are discrepancies in the records. And why do we need one of them to legitimize our throne anyway? Isn't 300 years of rule by the court of the gods sufficient? And so 300 years ago... The royals ruled, then Kalad, and then after him, peace giver. Change can happen just that quickly. I don't intend to find myself caught surprised like the royals were when Kalad seized the throne. Some of us are planning, Light Song, and you can join us if you wish. And he's like, ugh, no, I hate politics. And she's like, you're the god of bravery. We could use your confidence. And he's like, no, nah, I will be completely useless to you. You'll have to stand for something eventually. You're a god to this people. And he says, not by choice, which that's fair. He did not pick this. Yep, he was dead, and then he came back, and they're like, you're a god now, and he's like, ugh, really? Okay. You don't have to accept a breath from a little kid every week. You pick that. But Yeah, that's true. I mean, when the alternative is dying, then like, I can see why you would do that, even if you were like, I don't really want to be a god necessarily. And she's like, also, do you think I would offer myself to just anyone? And he's like, well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Come on, there must be at least three of the other gods I wouldn't think of letting touch me. <laughs> and then she says, uh, Enjoy the party. Try to imagine what our king is doing to our legacy up there right now. Particularly if that imagining reminds you of what you just missed out on. This lady's kind of icky. Eh, a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, also, that's the end, that's I the mean, end of our I, also, I know these gods are like, I guess they're still alive, but I don't know. There's something about this whole thing that like ropes me the wrong way as far as like what in what sense are they alive? And it's like mm -hmm. now now are like dead people having sex because they've been reanimated by magic. Like I don't know, it just seems seems not great. When you put it that way, eek. yeah, right. Like, yeah, that, that doesn't sound great. Yeah, magic zombie sex? No. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> On that note, shit. 
Yeah, let's uh, let's move into predictions. Uh, what do you guys think? Where what is where are we going now? We've gotten a, some little tastes of what mm-hmm. Siri's dealing with, of the politics between the kingdoms. That we've gotten uh, kind of the other side of that perspective. So, what what do you guys think? What's going to happen? Well, first of all, the shirt title should be "Just Say No to Magic Zombie Sex." <laughs> hey, so what do I got? Let's see. I, I don't know what's going on with the light song and the politics. I mean, that was kind of just introduced right there at the end. So, I, I mean, there's obviously still a lot of mystery surrounding these gods. My guess is maybe some of them quit being gods because they finally decide they're tired of taking children breath. I don't know. Mm. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe some of them give away their their breath in order and like sacrifice themselves for some reason. Maybe that's another way that they could be could be uh destroyed poor siri don't know what's going to happen there vasher he's he's on a mission for something we don't know what yet he's he's probably the most interesting character to me so far though he's got the magic sword that talks to him in his mind it makes me wonder like can the sword talk to other people can he only talk to vasher i'd be interested to know if like they have a connection that allows that to happen or or if the sword could literally talk to anyone that'd be interesting and then here's Here's my goofy theory about the the uh, king. So they say, at least the priests are saying, that you know he had the right to be king because he's the most powerful return because he was still born and then awoke, uh, you know, or not awoke, but whatever, returned. And so he's been a god since that time. Is that correct? Is that what they intimated? Yeah, I think that's the implication. Yeah. So if the implication is that, I'm wondering, how do these return people grow? like into adults mm-hmm. and when do they stop growing when do they stop aging like you know like how does that work but if if it is true and they just grow to a you know some arbitrary age and then they stop growing and aging or whatever or maybe that's how some of the return finally do die they like get too old but anyway it doesn't sound like it sounds like they live they can live a really long time perhaps the king because he basically was raised as the king from the time he was an infant perhaps his education level is that of a small child and he never developed past a certain point which is why he's so apt to execute people when he gets annoyed with them perhaps the king has no idea how to have sex with uh siri and is confused and doesn't know what to do so he's just sitting there being like what do i do that would be that'd be interesting kind of kind of weird kind of funny if you're um, not also, allowed to talk to him i guess how would you teach him right like, exactly anything? that's my point like hmm. if, if if nobody's allowed to say anything to him and he doesn't really talk to people except to say kill that person like yeah what exactly what is the depth of his education maybe he has special priests that are the only ones allowed to do those education i don't know hmm. but yeah like what development level is this king at that's that's what i'm wondering it would be interesting if like this big bad king which i kind of got the same sense that jamie had mentioned before that maybe he's not so bad but maybe it, the only reason he is bad is because his his education level is so low and like maybe he he will be like look you're my wife right i could confide in you i don't know what the hell i'm doing can you help me <laughs> That'd be uh, that'd be kind of fun, but uh, I don't know if that'll that'll actually be the case. But, uh, but yeah, that's all I got this week. I think that'd be a weird turn for this book to take. I do like the idea that if like he's emotionally immature, then that's the kind of person who would be like, yeah, execute that guy for talking to me. Screw him. How dare he? Speak? Yeah. So no, I I, I can yeah. see that. Right. 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you've never been given any rules because you're the God King, if you've never had to do anything that you didn't want to do, then you would probably grow to be a very spoiled person and yeah. not be very it reminds. Yeah, it reminds me of the Twilight Zone episode where the kid, like, can magic anything. And, uh, like, yeah, basically yeah. all of the people around him just cater to his every whim or he or he'll turn them into, like, inanimate objects. That's a good thing you did, Bart. Very good thing. Very good thing. <laughs> oh, okay. So still pretty early in the book. Still thinking that there's something going on with the gods that we're not, I don't think even they know the full story. I mean, obviously they don't know what happened to them before they returned, but about what they can and can't do and what they are and are not allowed to do. I know it all just seems a bit fishy to me. So I've been thinking about the dream and I am wondering if it's like it really is a prophecy. It's not so much he's just having a dream and they're interested in figuring out what it means and interpreting it and stuff, but perhaps he's seeing like the end of their kingdom. I think Vivenna maybe is the girl that he's seeing. So he he's sort of like, is this someone from my past life? Like was I married? All that sort of stuff. But I think when he meets her, maybe that will be like the catalyst for something else to happen. Like he maybe give a bit more stock to his dream because as far as we're aware, she's still on her way. Mm-hmm. Don't know how long it'll take her to get there. But I assume, well, I'm, I'm thinking that we're going to have another segment of the dream, which will maybe then piece some things together. Also really interested that someone had painted whatever he was dreaming. So there's got to be a link there. I feel like Light Song's maybe going to get out a little bit more to do some investigating of something. I don't know. I'm not quite sure how it will fall apart yet or, or fall, fall apart, come together, <laughs> the opposite of fall apart. I don't really know how that will go yet, but I'm, I'm thinking sort of along those lines. Yeah, the God King, I despise him at the moment, even though we haven't really met him because it is all really horrific despite whether he's a big overgrown man-child or whatever he is, monster, I don't know. I was really hoping that it wouldn't be as bad as what she was expecting it to be, Mm. but I feel like maybe he is going to be as bad as they're expecting, which is terrible. Yeah, that's probably all that I've really got at the moment. I'd be really interested to learn more about some of the other gods. I think it's a bit early to be making heavy-hitting predictions but I don't think it's going to be long probably before we get some more information at first I thought Vasha was going to be like a a good guy but I don't know now Nightblood's a bit of a a rogue player there Mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know what his objective is at the moment so I think we need a little bit more information about him too to figure out what his game is I just yeah I can't tell whether he's friend or foe moment i think it would be interesting if he wasn't a friend but i don't know i don't know when they'll end up coming together that's a fair point yeah like and i guess the real question there actually is like a friend to or foe to who because Mm. we establish here that like siri and light song who are two of our other main characters they may not want the same things overall yeah and who knows when vivenna shows up like what side of various things that she'll take so yeah, it's not exactly as as simple as your your one side or the other. 
you know, yeah. your your enemy of your enemy is not necessarily your friend either. <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how all the players come together. But, yeah. What if Vasher's a good guy, but Nightblood's a bad guy? That's, that's a weird friendship. It yeah, is a know. weird friendship. I, Vasher strikes me so far as, like, an anti-hero type. Mm, yeah. Maybe on the D&D board, he's, like, chaotic neutral or something. I'm going to go with that because I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what that meant, so yeah, sure, why not? Okay, yeah, no, uh, I, you, you, you've pulled out some of, uh, of what I agree are kind of the central questions at this point, so definitely things to, to be interested in as we progress. Hmm. So I feel like, yeah, I don't know how to read the God King. My initial thought was like... <laughs> May like like is there even a god king or is there just a figurehead who like pretends to have all this power while like the small cadre of uh the returned gods sort of are the, are the power behind the throne and they just have a puppet but i like joe's idea that uh is actually just a like a stunted child mind sort of thing i like that one more honestly i feel i want to make a prediction about vasha i think that he's ultimately responsible for putting the the halandrans in power um he had some sort of axe to grind with the idrians so he got rid of them like top like like he led an insurrection against them and now he's seeing what's actually happened with the halandrans after they've taken over and realized well i fucked up so now he's gonna try and bring down their empire as a way of making up for that i guess That that would make him really old yeah but okay Age doesn't seem to be a like, doesn't it isn't always a factor in mm, in this you're universe. You're not wrong. Yep, you're, you're um, a point. <laughs> like you know the two like the two biggest magic systems we've seen like uh, in Elantris and in and Skadrial have both had ways of extending your like your lifespan. So it's That's not true. a stretch to assume the magic system here can also do the same. Yeah, in fact, I think it mentions in this section that it was like a lot of people get to like the the first tightening and they stop there and it gives you like 10 extra years on your life or something. That's right. Yeah. So like, yeah, like some of the stuff Vasher has said, like indicates like he's had the power, but he's lost it mm. or he, or he's gained it back. Like when he killed Var in the prologue, like he's like, Oh man, how did I ever live without this? So maybe he's just expended a whole bunch of his breaths and stuff to gain as much long life as he could. And it left him out of like out of breath. If, and now he's just like, oh, well, I need to get as much back because I've got I've got some fixing shit to do. So that's where I think that's going. Uh, the other prediction I had was for Nightblood. Okay. I think that I I feel like just the fact that like oh, Nightblood is a sword, but doesn't like to be reminded of that fact makes me think he wasn't always a sword. Mm. They ha- they have this whole thing about the returned and body and like you know like like bodies coming back to life and everything. I think Nightblood's actually like sort of the opposite of that he he remembers his life before he was a human but he but he was brought back in some it's like something went wrong and he came back in the sword instead and so like his his powers of killing people is stuff like uh that's you know that's how he manifests his breath now that he can like his powers that he's like because that's the only body left to him and he just kills people because like i'm a sword what else am i gonna do like i can't (laughs) do anything else i don't have hands so yeah, I think he, I think Nightblood is returned. Who something went horribly wrong, and he wound up in a sword instead of a human body. Okay, 
I, I like both of these predictions. These are some big, bold predictions you're pulling out this time. Yep, yep, Volcanoes Ahoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. So I, I, I really like this idea that, uh, that, you, you, that you've got for Vasher's purpose overall, where it's like he's got something to make up for because he started this, so he's going to try to fix it. How, in, in your mind, how does he fix the 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 court? I don't know. Okay. Like the obvious answer is burn it down and start over, but that might have been what he did to start with and didn't work out so well. So mm. yeah, I don't know what his end game is. Um, he's like the fact that he was really put off by an Adrian princess coming here, sort of lean to, leans towards. Ugh, I'm gonna have to face up to that soon. But his goals ultimately haven't changed. So, but like as as to what he's actually gonna do and how he's gonna fix things, I have I've got no clue at this point. Like, we don't know enough about him really. Right. Other than, other than he seems to be very much be I want I want to work alone, which seems like the atoning kind of kind of thing. Like it's his mess to clean up. Mm, just me and my sword. Yep. Yeah. Me and my annoying talking sword. Who's <laughs> always just like, hey, kill these. We should kill these guys, right? Like, come on. <laughs> he's not as bad as ruin in um Zane's head, at least. It's true. It's he's not kill him. Kill that guy. No, kill that guy over there. It's a good point. He does talk about other things. This is these are these are some good predictions we've got going for everybody this week. I like it. And that uh, some of what you said even kind of uh, dovetails with a couple of things that Joe was thinking last time. So yeah, yeah, you guys are building. I like it. Okay, okay. Speaking of of uh, of, of uh, continuing here, I don't know that we were actually. I may have uh, just made that up. For next time, we're gonna read five more chapters. That's eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Remember, there will be no new episode next week, and these five chapters we will be doing without Joe. Sorry, Joe. Maybe he'll have time to, like, write down or record his thoughts real quick and send them. He's done that before. Yeah, maybe so. So, five chapters for next time. Let's move into – got a couple emails. we got a couple new patrons. So let's do emails first. The first one is from Isla, who we heard from not that long ago, actually. And uh, she says, Lost Metal Thoughts and White Sands. Hi, DDJJ. Thanks for continuing to put out brilliant episodes. I've really enjoyed listening to everything you've released so far, and I gave you a five-star review on Podcast Addict. See attached picture for proof. And then let me look at her review. Oh. Her review on Podcast Addict. <laughs> she did send a picture. A fantastic, fun podcast with four people diving deep into Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere. Every episode is full of laughter, crazy and not-so-crazy hypotheses, and just a whole lot of good times. Data is a worthy host with a lot of Sanderson knowledge from outside the books themselves and drops in extra tidbits throughout. What a nice review. Thank you for leaving said review. You are a coin shot. Shot through the heart. I don't know why that's the first thing that comes to mind, but of all things. Yeah. I know, right? So yes, thank you. I uh, that that is an awesome review. She goes on to say uh she has thoughts first on the lost metal. At first I was frustrated by this book. From early on, I felt like Brandon had put a lot of effort into redeeming some of Wayne's more negative points, such as his monthly in-person visits to Alriandri, and cleaning up his character. I felt like it was too well telegraphed that Wayne was going to die, whereas in Hero of Ages, my favorite Mistborn book, Sazed as the hero came out of nowhere. Pause to say, I don't know that... I, I feel like you guys called Sazed relatively early on, and partly just because of how the the epigraphs were phrased... It's like, I am, unfortunately, the hero of ages or whatever. Uh, but it's been a while yeah, since we, we did it. those books. So uh, she goes on. However, now that I've reread the book and had a good long think, I've realized that Wayne did some character growth in Bands of Mourning as well, where he gave up on Renette. While he did refuse to put himself in all Reandry's shoes for a long time, 
Who of us can say that we don't do that sometimes? Additionally, while Wayne's death was fairly well signposted, most other aspects of the ending were pure Sanderlanch. I particularly liked Telson saying that if Wax was going to go to that boat, he would end up swimming in the bay, which, yep, he sure did end up in the bay. Fortunately, Hoyd was there. And then she says about White Sands. Fortunately, Hoyd was there. Hmm. That's a phrase yeah. I'm going to have to hang on to. And just like, I wonder if in the future we're going to like start saying, unfortunately, Hoyd was there. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's already been times where it's kind of like, oh, what the hell is... <laughs> okay. Like the time he shows up and punches Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah, sexy drifters. He's at it again. About White Sands, she says, It has been fairly easy for me to follow along with the graphic audio version. Although, of course, there are some differences. Some of the characters and narration goes into long monologues to tell the listener all about the world, which would certainly not be in the graphic novel. Overall, I think they've done a good adaptation. Looking forward to Warbreaker, which is one of my favorites. So that was from Island. Thank you, Island. That was that was a fun one. Okay, so this one is... Uh, oh, hold on one second. I have to... Before I read this one. Oh, jeez, that's loud. The hell What's was happening? that? Yeah. Okay, so we, I'll explain. We get, are, we, are, we being, are we being soothed? No, I'll, 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 I'll explain. So <laughs> and, uh, now Dave is going to do his piano solo. Yeah. This one, this one is titled "Thank You for an Amazing Podcast," and it is from Joao. It says, "Hi, Sander Lanch crew. Joao from Brazil here. Please do t- try to pronounce it. Here's a song to help because I could not find a good short video. So they sent a link to a song, which I then opened to hear how it was pronounced in the song. Hmm." Uh, wow, I should do that more often. It's like, if you're not sure how to pronounce this, here's a music clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh the, my God, the possibilities. The song is called Hey Joao, in case anyone wants to go out and find that. Sure. Uh, I just I just wanted to express my gratitude to all of you for your for the fantastic company you provided while I read the Mistborn series, plus Elantris and other stuff. I absolutely love listening to your insane theories, especially yours, Dak, as I embarked on my first journey into the Cosmere. The podcast transformed this typically solitary activity into something incredibly social and even inspired inspired me to join an in real life book club in college. Hey, yeah, that's cool. If I had to choose the best thing about your show, it would definitely be Jamie and Dax accents along with those adorable baby noises. Yes, I know. I didn't have to pick the day for that one. Right. Do we have a show for you? (laughs) (laughs) We we've gone from adorable baby noises to mommy 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 <laughs> mommy ariel's not in aladdin mommy. <laughs> less Come adorable on. when you've got it for yeah. two hours straight <laughs> and then forever yeah <laughs> and then forever yeah it's like mine mine just turned four <laughs> and there's still a lot of daddy daddy dad dad daddy this thing yes okay daddy that's the same thing i just said yes i heard you the first time I, I it, it's it's okay. <laughs> yep. Trying to unstack the dishwasher. It's like, Daddy, do some coloring. It's like, can you do it? No, Daddy, do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yep. Even when there's older siblings, it's like, I'm in, I'm in the middle of cooking dinner. Can you get him some juice? No, I want Daddy to get the juice. <sighs> okay. Anyway. Oh boy. So it, it goes on. Yes, I know I didn't have to choose the best thing about the show, and that I mentioned two best things, but I couldn't resist mentioning the cute baby. Uh, unfortunately, I'll be taking a break from reading Sanderson for now, so I have no idea when I'll listen to you guys again. I need to finish the TMNT Ultimate Collection. Pause to be like, yes, I also have that, and I also have not gotten anywhere near finishing it, so I, I need to work on that. Yeah, uh, it's a good one. And make the most out of my three-month Kindle Unlimited subscription. 
I also have the other four Dune books to read after Messiah, along with finishing Hellboy and catching up on some college material. I like how the college stuff is at the end of all the others. Man, <laughs> all this really awesome stuff, was... and also, you know, schoolwork. Yeah. <laughs> So many books, so little time. I haven't started White Sand yet, so maybe you guys will finish Warbreaker by the time I return to the Cosmere. Anyway, I want to extend my gratitude once again for the effort you put into making this podcast. It has been a delight to listen to. P.S. I rated the show on Spotify. Hopefully that gets me into the Misting Crew, and they did include a five-star clip from Spotify, which doesn't let you leave a a review, just the rating. Right. Yeah, five-star review. You, you, You done did it. It's fine. Since we gave out a coin shot, why don't you just be the opposite? You're a lurcher. Nice. So whenever eventually you do listen to this, Joao, there you go. It may be a while, but it's there for you. We also have two new patrons this week at the, uh, they're both at the ska level. First is Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Let me pull out my handy, handy, dandy fairing list. Ooh, Jacqueline, you will be... A century. You store wakefulness. Nice. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. And then we have Sean. Sean, you'll be a subsumer. You store energy. Thank you guys for uh, for joining the Patreon. In fact, we're about to get into something. If you want to send us an email like Joao and Isla did, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook and Patreon, where I'm in the middle of posting my uh, first read-through of the Frugal Wizards Handbook to Surviving Medieval England and my reactions as I read that. We will also, by the time this episode comes out, it should already be up on the Patreon. We will yeah. put up the the special production starring Joe and Dak of, uh, of the Possum Hunters. So, you! I know it's been a long time coming, guys, and here it is. So at Joe's suggestion here, what we're going to do is give you guys a a 30 second preview of the sort of thing that you'll be hearing in uh, the Possum Hunters, which I think came out to like around 20 minutes, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, that was the goal to make it about 20 minutes. And I think we we pretty much nailed it. Yeah, I think it ended up really close to that. So here's a quick clip of that so that you can see if uh, that's the kind of thing you're interested in and you want to join the Patreon, or uh, you can be like, wow, that uh, I don't want to listen to that at all. And then you don't have to worry about the Patreon unless you want to hear me talk to myself for long periods of time, which I don't even want to do that. So, uh, you know, here you go. Well, Paul, what song should we sing for this job? We got about 12 critters, so I guess we can just use the old Sky Eaton song. What do you think? Could do, could do. That or uh, one of the Coloss drinking songs. Nah, Sky Eaton it is. When you're right, you're right, son number one. Well, I know a man with great big pearls. Biggest pearls in the world. A noble man who loved all skull girls. Yes, he loved them all with his great big pearls. Wow, what a great clip that was, Data. Yep, yeah, that sure is, is a great clip that I haven't at the point of recording this chosen what 30 oh, seconds to use. Sure you did. We know what the clip just played. <laughs> We're absolutely certain that that was a clip that will definitely make you want to go listen the data and i made an intro for the show requesting uh your feedback on on said possum hunters episode because really we don't want to make this creative leap in the patreon without getting good feedback if if you guys who are already patreon subscribers you go out and you listen to possum hunters you're like nah it's not for me i don't like this at all please let us know uh we don't want to keep making something that you guys who were so generous to support us don't want to don't want to hear so 
so yeah, that's um, I think that's all we got for today. Music by Miracle of Sound, five chapters for next time, which I will remind again, we're, we will not have a new episode next week. It will be the week after that when you will hear the next five chapters. And then we may have to skip another one for next month. We're going to have to talk about that because I'm going to be gone at the end of June. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to all our supporters on the Patreon, everyone who's leaving us comments, sending emails. You guys are all awesome. If you're interested in joining the Discord, where lots of fun and uh, sometimes disturbing conversations happen, feel free to head out to uh, our website, and there is a link at the top to join the Discord. We, we, we recently added a uh, not-safe-for-work Cosmere discussion channel because... Uh, oh, God. Yeah, things, things were getting a little weird uh, at times. So... That's the kind of thing you can get if you join the Sanderlanch Discord. Uh, beware. <laughs> Take caution. Five chapters week after next. And was to the time of next. Colo? Colo?